This is Conversations with Corliss, the leadership podcast that gives you real and authentic advice that can help you change your life for the better. Here we will listen to stories and have conversations with people who are just like you, people who are chasing their dreams and making them happen. Your host Corliss is a modern day purpose-driven leader. As an entrepreneur, she has developed a multi-million dollar business, leading thousands of people to discover their potential and reach their personal goals, all while balancing the responsibilities of raising her three children. She is a powerful, inspirational speaker, a certified success principles coach, and the founder and CEO of Corliss Co. Consulting Incorporated. Hi everyone, this is Conversations with Corliss, a real leadership podcast. Here we will talk about all the things it takes to bravely lead the life you deserve. Welcome to the conversation. You may have guessed it, my name is Corliss and I created this podcast simply because I want to help people and make a bigger impact. You see, one day I woke up in my 40s and realized time stands still for no one. I found myself coasting through life feeling unfulfilled and deep inside I knew there was more to me than I was living. I went looking for answers and I found them by listening to inspiring people and having meaningful conversations. That is what we will do here for you. Whatever you are looking for, I am glad you are here. Aging has given me the invaluable insight that we should make every moment count. It's time to take charge of your life, to rise up and be all you can be. This podcast is meant to help you do that. So let's get started. Today's episode is being brought to you by The Creative Company. Taking time to quiet your mind while engaging in a creative activity can reduce stress, trigger happiness, instill pride, as well as spark inspiration. The Creative Company offers a variety of all-in-one painting, coloring, and drawing bundles designed by artists and meant for all ages to enjoy. Could you or your family use some creative time? If so, visit their website at www.thecreativecompany.ca. This is episode 040, The Four Pillars of Success with Belinda Ellsworth. Today's episode is filled with insights, wisdom, and advice that will help you succeed in life and in business. If you're looking to level up an area of your life, the four pillars of success will help you. I believe nothing happens by chance. You found this podcast for a reason. You have the power to lead your life, and by continuing to learn, grow, and evolve, a whole new level of success will follow. Today's guest, Belinda Ellsworth, is an international best-selling author, has been a professional speaker, mover, and shaker for more than 25 years. Having built three successful companies, she has helped thousands of entrepreneurs make better decisions, create successful systems, and build business strategies using her four pillars of success system. More than 200 companies have hired her as a consultant and conference speaker. As a podcast host, Belinda interviews other successful entrepreneurs. Her podcast, Work From Your Happy Place, is approaching its 300th episode. Known as the left-brain entrepreneur, Belinda has been called a trailblazer in the industry of coaching and speaking. Her ionic messages of good, solid business practices will stay with you forever and positively impact your bottom line. Welcome to the show, Belinda. I feel like I've got um, someone famous here with me today. I'm really excited that you're here. I remember watching you on stage at a conference many years ago, and I just found you to be so inspiring, and I'm thrilled you're here to join us today. Oh, gosh. Thanks so much. Yeah, I'm thrilled to be here, too. It's fun to see other female entrepreneurs doing podcasts, so I'm excited. Yeah, it's really fun. Now, can you just give us just a little bit about your backstory and kind of get us, give us the inside look into Belinda? Because I know in the introduction, I've shared your bio and I've talked a little bit about what you do, but why don't you tell us a little bit more about you? Sure. I've worked in sales my whole entire life. And I mean, like going back even into my teens. Uh, it's funny because I interview a lot of entrepreneurs on my show. And one of the things, both mostly men, but and women also, I find is, Many of us that have been super successful at this age now, we had paper routes when we were really young, like that was our first job ever. And that was my first job ever. So I just think it's so funny when that constantly pops up. 
Um, but I was, I've always been in sales. I started in direct sales um, when I was 18, as soon as I could, um, really just as a supplemental income to being a musician. That was what I started out doing. Um, and then once I started a family, the musician life just wasn't um, really cut out for building a family. And so I really kind of dove into direct sales, pretty strong, full-time, building a very large organization, um, doing extremely well, worked corporate for a year as a corporate trainer. But then I decided in 1995, which seems so crazy, that was 26 years ago, that I would start my own business doing speaking, training, consulting. And the so predominantly, that's where I've spent that time is in the industry of being a motivational speaker, author uh, in the direct selling space. But over the years, I have, you know, also spoken for Ford Motor Company and many other um, corporate gigs where I've just gone in and really talked about the importance of basic business strategies. And so in the last mm, probably 16 years of that journey, I've done more consulting a lot with um, startup companies. And then in the last four years, I started my podcast called Work From Your Happy Place. And it really is focused more on entrepreneurs that are just trying to uh, create a better lifestyle for themselves in a different way. And so uh, my business has kind of continued to morph and change. I still serve the direct selling industry um, a lot, but I also serve this other industry of entrepreneurs as well. So it's been fun. It's been, and it's still exciting. So, <laughs> oh, that does sound exciting. You know, a lot of your story, what you just kind of gave us there, it, it aligns a lot with kind of how my journey has gone too. So I feel like I can really relate to everything that you're talking about. And it's a constant evolution, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Which is good. It should, it should be that for people. I think people get stuck uh, with where they are and can't see out of that box. And, and I'm not going to say I haven't fall, fallen prey to that this last year. I definitely had to figure out a new way to do my business with a hundred percent of my speaking engagements being canceled in about a seven day window of time. It took seven days to have a whole year's worth of speaking engagements wiped out. Wow. How'd you manage that? I'm just, I'm curious, just tell us like, what was that like for you? Like, how did you, so it must've been shock at first or, or what happened? How did you bounce back from that disappointment? It was super shocking on those first, we're talking those first few days and I was just sick, like depressed, like, oh my gosh, because I have a staff of six and many of them that have worked here for many years. And I, and my speaking engagements are about, I'd say 70% of our income and as a company. And so, and then I really realized I had, had really allowed that to get a, a too big of a piece. Um, so it was, we've got to pivot fast and, and we really weren't super equipped in the online space. Um, I started up in my game in that area just to have a more professional vibe. Um, but we just became, I just pretended this is what I did. I said, what if I were brand new today? What if I was a brand new company? How would I behave and how would I act? I wouldn't be depressed because I couldn't think about all of that. And at the same time, try to figure out how to fix that. And I had to pretend I was brand new. And if I were brand new, how would I start my company over today? What would I do? What would it look like today? And I just dug in and I probably put as much hard work into it like a brand new startup would have to do working 12 hour days. And it's like, and we started a new email campaign. We pretended all of our customers were brand new. We pretended that we were building a new list. I mean, we literally like did all the measures to pretend like we were a brand new business. And in doing that, uh, it's been amazing. We have added 20,000 people to our mailing list in one year. And it's not even been an exact year because I probably put all that into motion about in, in April. We've added, you know, 10,000 followers to Facebook when people said you can't get new followers on your business page. We've added 10,000 in a year. So it's been really interesting, but that is what I did. I said, if I were a brand new company, how would I work my business today? And it was just really showing up in these, these four pillars of success that we're going to talk about. But 
it really was going back to the basics and showing up and pulling my sleeves up and doing the hard work and pretending if I were new, I wouldn't be flipping out. I would be excited about that win for the day. I started tracking my numbers like I used to back in the day, which I'd kind of gotten away from. And nobody should ever get away from that, tracking your numbers. So we became super numbers focused again. We became super, let's, what are our wins? Celebrate our wins. I had been designing a gratitude journal to go alongside with my planner this year. And I pulled that gratitude journal out and I just wrote in it every day. I've never been a big gratitude journal. I haven't been against them, but I've never really done it on a consistent basis. But I had been reading all this research recently about how people that use gratitude journals have a 40% greater chance of achieving their goals. And I was like, now I'm a big goal setter girl. Like that's a big skill set that I teach and I think is so important. So I was like, wow, interesting. So I started looking into it more. So I already had the prototype that we were going to roll out for this year anyway. And so I just started writing in it every day. What am I grateful for? What is good in my business? What can I focus on? What are our wins? Focus on our wins, not on we're still in this huge loss. And um, it wasn't easy. And it's still we're still in the middle of doing it. But the wins now make you so excited every day that you can't hardly stand it. You know what I mean? And you can't focus on the loss. And we, we did, I had to, fortunately we were able to get a PPP loan, which was good. It only held us over for a few months, but it gave me those few months to at least, you know, start doing some of these things and putting some of these things into place. But that is what I did. I pretended I was a brand new company and how would I start my company today? Oh, I love it. So it's almost like focus forward instead of focusing on what you lost. You focused on your wins and you're just focusing forward. I have to know, how did you, how did you do that? So when you said you started showing up more, because I feel like you've done something that's almost impossible. How did you grow your social media and your email list like so significantly? <laughs> I know, right? Um, well, I was just very haphazard when I would go live. I never was um, super comfortable going live, which makes no sense because I can speak in front of 16,000 people without a blink of an eye. Um, but I thought, what is making me uncomfortable on here? And most of it was my setting, the way that I looked. I didn't like the lighting. Like I was just a lot of stuff. And so I said to my husband, I need a space where I feel super confident. Um, and it was getting just some better lighting in here in my office. It was getting a green screen. It was really equipping my office to make, to allow me to feel my absolute best about myself. And then I started, I got the content calendar out and I was like, all right, you need, and somebody said, a marketing person that was helping me said, just go live every day, every day for 30 days and we'll get your algorithm going. And the other thing that I did, which I made the decision to do was I said, okay, I'm going to go live. I didn't decide this till July, but I'm going to go live every Tuesday night at nine o'clock and the consistency piece to it, right? So Facebook likes when you're consistent people like when you're consistent. Well, that's one of our pillars we're going to talk about, but I just started showing up nine o'clock every night. And what was interesting about that is uh, I trained for 30 minutes. And the reason I did that originally is I said, I'm going to set up this up sort of like a Facebook party so that I can learn those same skill sets so that I can teach those same skill sets, et cetera, et cetera. But what it turned out being was just a time to be with me. It allowed me to get more comfortable. I knew my subject that I was talking about. I planned it out ahead of time. And I showed up every Tuesday at nine and I have not missed a single Tuesday except for one when I had the flu. That is it. And it started out a couple hundred people were watching and, you know, and it was reaching and, and then it's gone to now it reaches about 5,000 people every Tuesday night. Um, we've had over 1500 comments in a single Tuesday night. So like now, and I, and then what's amazing to me is cause I think I've been around this block for like 26 years. Right. I'm like, who's first time around here. And it became a whole new audience. Like I am every week we have 
probably 20 to 50 people that say first timer, first timer. And I'm still blown away by that. Um, but that was one of the things that we did to really grow that. And then we started getting very specific with link tree, link here, um, putting it out, making our emails more consistent. I would say that it was consistency and all roads lead back to where you want people to connect with you. Like, I think it was just very haphazard before, like, oh, and you can connect with us and whatever. It was like, no, all roads are always leading back to this is our business page and now join our group. And uh, if you really liked what you heard today, get on our mailing list. Like it's always, and here's the link tree and the link tree is our mailing list, our group, our, you know, whatever it is. And so learning how to really make that work for us. Um, sending out in our emails, putting that in all of our emails, you know, PS, if you want to connect with us, here's how, like, we just really stayed consistent with the same message. And I would stop and say, if this isn't serving me in one of these three areas that I'm trying to grow, I'm not doing it. So not getting distracted either. And there were a lot of distractions this past year. Um, I'll say that. <laughs> No kidding. You've said so much there. Like you started with the fact that it was uh, it was different. You weren't really set up in the virtual place. So you shifted your mindset right away to moving forward. But then I really like how you said that you you just figured out what you needed to do to feel good there. Then you showed up, you practiced, you got consistent, you set up the systems and you didn't let anything distract you. Awesome. Yep. And that was it. I think that that is what did it and always sticking to the same messaging. I think we confuse our customers and our listeners because oftentimes we, and it's real easy to do, I've done it myself. So I'm not pointing any fingers at all, but it's like, there's a shiny object, right? So like this year I got super, I decided to get super involved on LinkedIn. I started, I really hadn't been on LinkedIn at all. And so last March I decided, okay, here are going to be my, you know, three buckets that I'm going to really focus on. And one of them is going to be LinkedIn and building my podcast and using that. And when I started getting super active, I had all these people like, and they sounded like great opportunities, right? Oh, love to connect with you. Love you to be part of our blah, blah, blah. And at first I was like, oh, wow. And oh, wow. And, and that's the shiny object. And so I just started having to say to myself, does this serve one of my three buckets? No. Um, so sorry, right now I'm really focused on this, but I appreciate you reaching out and maybe we can reconnect sometime in the future. And that I was very kind because I appreciated it. I was very cordial. Um, I'm not closing the door to that opportunity, but I'm not letting you in what your agenda take me away from what my current agenda is. Oh, that's awesome. And that's so that can happen so easy. So how do you define the three buckets? Like, how did you do that? I. I took my company and I said, okay, the first thing I did to get me over my depression like, was I had to say, and it was really hard because my staff would come back and say, well, eventually with the speaking, I'll come back or whenever our speaking comes back. I said, no, 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 no. We need to pretend it's never coming back. We just need to pretend. And when it does, it's icing on the cake. It is. Uh, it always was a big bucket, right? It was the biggest bucket. And so it's like, I can't. And I learned a lesson. I can't ever let that happen again. So I just took my company and said, um, you know, our planner became, it's become even every year, it's become a stronger part of our sales. So my planner and my additional products that go with that, um, my membership group, like if we grow that, that's going to be a bucket of income. And then my podcast, LinkedIn, looking for other, you know, streams of income through that, that's our third bucket. Um, and so the planner, I guess, and all that, that is still a step in our other products, you know what I mean? So courses and things like that. Um, but that's just where I started putting our energy um, I also do consulting, but I decided to keep that even as icing on the cake because at any given time you, you have that as money, but then suddenly you don't contract ends or a company decides they are going through financial difficulties. I had two consulting clients that actually, when COVID happened said, 
we just, we can't afford to do this right now. We've got to buckle down. Now, some of those have come back after a year and having some success, but it's like, I can't, I need to count on the buckets I can need to count on. So I just went, where could we generate income? What do I have a hundred percent control over? And let's move in that direction. And if speaking ever comes back, then that's bonus money. Like we used to count some of those other little things. Like we used to look at our membership group as sort of bonus money. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't a main bucket. Well, I switched it to a main bucket and then it got a lot of my main attention. Mm -hmm. This is so brilliant because sometimes we do just kind of coast. We do the same thing. We just always kind of go that direction and then it gets interrupted and we have a tendency to just want to kind of revert back to what we've always known. It sounds to me like you just really um, rethought it and said, okay, how am I going to actually turn this around? Mm -hmm. I had to. Yep. And And it was, and it was probably the biggest year of growth we've had for our company, not income. I want to make sure everybody understands that it wasn't our biggest income year for sure, but it was our biggest year of growth in the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, this last year has shaken it up for everybody. And I love that you've shared your story here and how you did it, because I think everyone can take a nugget from that and say, okay, how am I going to do this? How can I turn this around? Because you could start over today. It doesn't, it's every day is a chance to start over and, and use new information. Well, my, just like my email list, for example, over the course of the years, I've had, we were all laughing about it here today, but I probably had five different marketing teams that I've hired and they've been here for a year or a year and a half. And so they all have their idea about what emails people should be getting. And so my whole email system was a hot mess, like how people were tagged, how, how they were separated out and we really said, oh my gosh, pull, pull the plug and we are starting all over. Whatever emails were being sent, pull them all back in. They're all going back to zero and we are going to start building a new list, retag. It was a lot of work, um, and but we did it. And so now there is a clear path of email sequencing that a new customer, a first time customer then goes through with us. And then after they finish that sequencing, they're dumped into the main list. And then we became very consistent on what's the main message? You know, what do we want to do in this main message? And being consistent, which we were very haphazard before. I had had a writer on my team that was just like, kind of like, oh, let's do an email whenever you feel like it. And and I knew that that was not a good idea, but um, we just became very consistent. Every Monday and Thursday, emails go out. They're not salesy emails. They are content-driven emails. One Monday motivation, and then we were doing Thursday tips. So then we sort of changed Monday motivation into Monday motivation with a tip. And we changed Thursdays to say, hey, here was something that was really great on my last podcast. Go check it out. And that actually has increased our podcast listenership. So I even changed just, but it's like, I didn't want to just say, buy my course, do this, buy this. You know, at the end, we usually say, hey, P.S., follow us on. It's all going all back to connect with us, connect with us. And then when they connect in those different buckets, that's where I'm promoting the course. That's where I'm promoting um, the planner. That's where I'm promoting those things. So I, I, I really followed the rules of what I know and what I've been taught, but like everything was already set and in place and it just wasn't being done. Mm, nice. Revisited it all and made a new system or at least rechecked with it to see what worked and what didn't and made changes where you needed to. All of this is really good. So this leads us to the four pillars of success that you teach and train. I'd love it if we could kind of dive into those and and add us add more value to us with these four pillars, beginning with focus. Absolutely. So uh, the four pillars are focus, commitment, consistency, and organization. And I've been teaching this for probably 20 plus years. And many of our programs have actually been built on this. Like I teach the power hour system which many people have adopted, Um, but uh, it is a program that we're quite proud of. It's trademarked with us. And so it it was built on those four pillars. Our planner's actually built on those four pillars. So 
Starting with focus is people get real confused on like what focus is, but the truth is if you focused on one thing and did not get sidetracked, you will get a result. I mean, like almost hands down without a shadow of a doubt. And I think people aren't willing to just like stay in that lane. And so focus is doing something or a task for a concentrated period of time, giving it your undivided attention. And so like with, with the power hour, for example, we encourage organizations or companies. I've teach this. This is one of the things I teach all over the spectrum, not just to direct sellers, but find your four income producing activities and give at least 15 minutes of your undivided attention to each one of those every day so that you get better at it so that you are doing all the things that are important. And, and it works. It, it works for people. I and mean, we get the most testimonials back on that program. But people are, they, they have a hard time focusing today. It's, it's harder than ever. We just did a whole big article on it. It's like their phone dings and they're off what they were doing. They get sidetracked. Then they go watch something else and they comment on somebody else's and then they go answer an email. I mean, like people have a really hard time focusing and by the same token, focus works in the negativity realm as well. If you focus on how bad things are for you or how it's probably never going to work or how, like, I could not focus on my loss. Like, if I would have gotten so focused in on that or even trying to replace that loss with other, like, people are going, can't you just go online and get speaking engagements? It's like, yeah, and we did, but I couldn't focus on that. I had to focus on something else. Um so it's, it's really focus is about giving something, a task, an area of your business, your undivided attention, undivided for whatever period of time, for a concentrated period of time. Is it 15 minutes? Is it a half hour? Is it three times a week? What is that? But that's what focus is. Yeah, and now people are working from home or they have been. So there's even more distractions everywhere. At least that's been my experience. And it's coming at you from all directions. So I really like that because 15 minutes of focused activity, you can get a whole lot done in 15 minutes. It's actually amazing. Like we're actually finally finishing up this book right now and I'm excited about it. But we've gotten all the amazing things that have been done in 15 minutes. And we just play, kind of play a game with it here at our house, but it's like, uh, you got 15 minutes go and it's, you can clean your, cause I've done it more than one time. You can clean your entire kitchen in 15 minutes. <laughs> I believe it, especially if you're just focused on that and that's it. I personally like to turn everything off and I like to know it's like my productivity period. It's like, I'm going to shut it off. Nothing else gets, I only work at this task until it's completed. And I like to do it early in the day. Do you recommend that? For me, I do because I feel like if I get that, you know, particular task taken care of, then everything else that happens in the day is just a bonus. I feel so accomplished if I can get it done early. Do you know, I think that for the most part, and you know, everything you read is get up and get it done early, but I don't like, I, I think it depends on the individual. And I think that you need to find out what that is about you. Like for me, I am not a morning person, never have been. Um, I need to get up. I need some slow time. I, and then, but then I jump into it. So my 15 minute increments you know, might be throughout the day. And that is what holds a lot of people up. So the only reason I say that is because that anything that people can use as an obstacle, well, it's hard for me to do that in the morning. Well, then don't, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, do 15 minutes, like in the morning, do 15 minutes at noon, do 15 minutes at five and do 15 minutes at 10. I mean, does that, or at eight. So it depends on what it is you're doing, but I really try to get people to, understand that it's you finding out what works for you. So is the morning better to get some of that stuff done? Well, it depends on the 15 minutes you're trying to do. Like for a lot of people that they want to put a, a, a concentrated effort into their spiritual well-being, they might pray in the morning, they might meditate, they might read, they might um, 
you know, and those things are super important for them. And are those more morning rituals, I think, that gets your right in your gratitude journal. Now I do write in the gratitude journal. I try to do that first thing in the morning because it sets my mindset for the day. But I don't do much else till till my business starts to kick in. Um, but I'm a night owl and I usually list all of my things to do for the next day. Like I'll spend my last at the end of the day saying, what do I want to jump into tomorrow? Because I know my brain's not going to be as active first thing in the morning to do that. So that's me. And so I just encourage people to find their rhythm. Mm, such a good point. And I'm actually glad that you said that because I don't actually do it first thing in the morning. Like what I meant by first thing in the morning is after I drop my son off at school, I like my morning to myself and for me and for gratitude and to enjoy my cup of coffee or to read something or even maybe get some exercise in. Like that's what I like. So I, I really appreciate that. And I think that people do just need to decide what's best for them. And I like how you said you could break it up too. So not necessarily an hour, but like 15 minutes here, 15 minutes there to depending on, you know, if they've got young children or what stage of life they're at, like it's all different for everybody. And that has been the winner. Like when I used to just train, take an hour and break it down on these four things, people would say, well, Belinda, I've got three kids under the age of four. I mean, like, and, and you, you got to roll with that. Right. But we have these, if you even sleep for eight hours, you've got these 64, 15 minute increments. And what I find is people waste a bunch of them, like they can sit and waste 45 minutes where they could have done something, but like, so really think about where do I want my PowerPoints to be in the day? What, what can I do for, for 15 minutes? And even usually if you have little ones, you can figure out how to entertain them for 15 minutes uh, that you've got that time to say, I'm powering this up right now. Um, and, and, and it is important. Mm hmm. I, I really want to highlight what you said about the night before about deciding what you want to accomplish the next day. I really like that, too. I think that's a really powerful technique that everyone can implement no matter what time of day they're going to do their 15 minutes. You know what? I find that it is. Some people say I'm too tired at, at night. I like to make my goal for the days first thing in the morning. That's OK, too. But I and I used to try to teach my leaders this, you know, it's like when you when your feet hit the ground, it's just a good thing for you to know what's my day look like today. Um, and then you can go attack it. Even if you do need to sit, it looks like 30 minutes, I'm going to sit here and drink my coffee. That's when I go through, scroll through my Facebook first thing in the morning, make any comments. And then I put it away. I don't go back to Facebook like at all till later much later in the day. Um, mm -hmm. so that's for me, that's it. And then I'll, then I might go check it if, to see if anybody answered my messages that I sent. Um, but I, I really don't come back to Facebook until probably 10 o'clock at night <laughs> because mm -hmm. it's a time I sucker. <laughs> it is for sure. And I think what I'm hearing here really overall is that you do what is right for you, what fits for you. But the bottom line is make a decision, like take some control over your own life, your own day, your own goals, your own path and your own focus. Absolutely. But you have to do it. You have to do it. That's exactly it. So it's decision time audience. You have to make those decisions and, you know, decide how are you going to focus? When are you going to focus? And what are you focusing on? Hey guys, just a quick note about an exciting program that's starting soon called Confident on Camera. I know what it's like to be afraid to show up online. I know the fear of being judged, not knowing what to say, or feeling insecure about being in a space where you have no idea who is watching or listening. I found my confidence here and now I want to help you have that too. We're living in a virtual world and that's not going to change. In order to help you show up online confidently, I've put together a program where you can learn what to share on social and how to share it in a real and authentic way. We focus on live video and by the end of the program, you will be confident to hit that go live button anytime you want. Through this two-part workshop, I teach you the basics of showing up on social and provide a safe environment to practice. This program is suited to anyone who is building a business or anyone who wants to get better using social to connect and create relationships. Space is limited, so head to corliss.ca right away to register because classes begin soon.
Now, pillar number two is commitment. And they all kind of tie together. So it is getting committed to whatever that focus is. It's like getting committed and staying with it. Getting committed that this is what I'm going to do, even if it kind of might suck for the day. You know what I mean? Um, Like even people that start a side hustle, like a lot of people with direct sales, for example, they'll let the least little thing rob them of their commitment, you know, like, like, oh, this didn't turn out the way I thought it was today. Should I really be doing this? So you've got to be in it to win it. Like you've got to be committed. If it is your, you know, if you want to start a side hustle, if you want to be an entrepreneur and you um, work full time and you want to say, okay, I'm going to do this, you're probably going to want to do it for a while and put socks of money away. Give yourself a goal to say, when I have six months of my living expenses, that's when I might think about leaving my full-time job. And so then you can't like the first thing that goes wrong or the first little hiccup that you have, you can't say, should I really be doing this? Like when you go in, you got to go, okay, I'm in it to win it for whatever time frame that you set or whatever Uh, purpose that you have. I just see that people, uh, again, are this shiny object syndrome and they are instant gratification society and they're not willing to make strong commitments to whether it's weight loss or saving money, getting money into a savings account or building your business or, you know, whatever it is, if you're going to do it, you got to be committed. Mm-hmm. Can't just do it when you feel like doing it because there's going to be times when you don't feel like doing it. So you have to make that commitment in advance. You do. And there is, I, you know, I often make a joke. Like we often want to quit on our dreams. We, we let the least little thing allow us to quit our dreams, but people that show up to work every day, a nine to five job, you have a bad day at work. You don't leave the work that day and say, you know what? I just don't think I'm coming back tomorrow. <laughs> like <laughs> you just get up and you go to work, but like on our things that fulfill our dreams, man, we're willing to give up on those pretty easy. Wow. That is such a great, um, comparison there because that's so true. No one would ever consider, Oh, I had a bad day. So I'm just not going to show up tomorrow because you know that there would be a consequence and yet we'll do it to ourselves. Now, then the next step is consistency. And I got to say that I think consistency separates people who succeed and that don't as entrepreneurs. Can you tell us a little more about that pillar? Absolutely. So consistency is kind of the key to the whole thing, if you want to be honest. And I've already given so many examples of it. But consistency is showing up when you don't even feel like it. It's the mundane tasks. It's one of the things I used to hate when people would say is, I'll do this business as long as it's fun. And when it's not fun anymore, I'm just not going to do it. It's like, really? Because there's nothing in life would, that is fun 100% of the time. I mean, like how much reward is there in being a parent? There's so much. And, and most of the time, it's just like, oh, it's amazing but man, is it fun every day? No way. <laughs> there are sometimes you're just like, oh, you want to bang your head up against a wall. So, but you keep showing up, you keep being consistent in what you're doing. Um, and, and, and it is with anything and it does separate. It's the rubber meets the road. It's like, I showed up every Tuesday at nine o'clock and were there times that I didn't want to? Absolutely. And what's really interesting, if I'm being super honest and transparent with this audience, in the beginning, it was like, oh, I didn't really want to do it. And I will have to say I hadn't fully committed. I was like, all right, you're saying I ought to do this. I'm going to do this. So show up. 200 people are there. I'm like, this is a waste of my time. Seriously? And then I was like, no, I need to get committed. I said I was going to do it. I'm going to commit to whatever, then, okay, I'm going to show up every single Tuesday night. And pretty soon the tide turned. And this is what people have to understand. This is why these two do kind of go hand in hand is the tide turned. And now I get really excited to show up on Tuesday night at nine o'clock. It's like one of the fun parts of my week that I just really look forward to, but that has taken eight months 
like, and it was consistent every Tuesday. Um, there's other things I've been consistent with. And is it always fun? No. Is it a mundane? Do you have to make those 10 calls a day? Yes. Is it always fun? No. Do you want to not do it sometimes? Absolutely. But when you do it, do you see the result? Absolutely. It's like the thing that is sometimes the hardest, like you said, but it's also the thing that at the end will bring you the greatest reward. Oh, wow. Uh, that's so true. At least in my life experience, that's been true with anything. And I think that applies to everything. Like you said, health, business. One of the things I've been really consistent with is asking you know, people for uh, if I wanted a guest on a podcast, if I wanted to you know, learn something from someone, I just had to have the courage to ask. And I got really consistent with asking. And it was incredible because you get the results. I got lots of no's, but I also got lots of yeses. Absolutely. And, you know, you just, you have to push through. That's, you know, like the whole no thing. It's like people are, their, their best thing is just right around the corner. And a lot of people miss that next best thing that if they would have just stuck with it, that commitment, if they would have just kept making those 10 calls, you know, I was at a conference one time and this sticks in my mind so much. And this is so funny because this conference was probably in like 1993. Like that's what I think that it was, but like that just goes to show you what an impact it had. And this guy had um, a potato gun made out of PCV pipe. Um, or PVC pipe. If you see, do you know what I'm talking about? People make them themselves. I do. That's Russell Bronson's story. I think um, when he first started out, that was what he did was it was a potato gun, something like that. I've never made one. I've never seen one, but. Well, yeah. I got to tell you, he's a young, little young guy there. <laughs> so this guy, this, like I said, this was back in 90, 1993 and this guy was from Iowa and he's on stage and he's got it. And he's, he literally is sticking potatoes in this potato gun. And he's like going, and I got to make another call and I get another no. And I do this. And he's just doing like day in the life, right? Bam, bam, bam. And then all of a sudden, man, this, this gun blew up on the stage and I couldn't even believe it because all I'm thinking about too is like our company having to clean all that up and everything. But I mean, it literally just exploded onto the stage. But what a visual. It was like, oh my gosh. And so <laughs> like, if you keep plugging away at it, doing the same old mundane tasks every day, guess what? It will explode. I mean, the result is going to come. And that has stayed with me all those years. That's been a, that's been a hot minute. That is fantastic. You actually remind me of something of a conference I was at, and I don't exactly remember how it went. Maybe you'll know, but it was with a potato as well. And it was about demonstrating how people learn and that if you can tell them, so the idea was that you put a straw through a potato. So there was like a bag of potatoes on the table with straws in the bag. And we were all in instructed to take a potato out of the bag and a straw. And then it was like, okay, put the straw through the potato. And people tried. And of course it didn't go through. And, and then they said, no, no, you're supposed to put the pressure this way or something. They changed something. I can't exactly remember how it went. And then of course, some people got it through with a new instruction and most didn't. And then they did a demonstration of like where you hold the straw, how you hold the potato, the angle that you do it, and they demonstrated, and then most people got the potato through. And it was meant to demonstrate how people learn. Like you can just tell them or you can show them. And most people will have success when you show them. Have you ever heard of that before? Do you know what? I haven't, but I love it. Like I love those. And we're, it's just to what you're speaking to. When you see things, you can hear it and it's great. But then when you see it played out in action, it's just like, wow. Like so it's different. like that, it's so different. It's like that, um, Stephen Covey did it and then it's been done. It's on YouTube. I mean, who knows who started what, but, um, it's the whole rocks, like putting your big rocks in first. How do you get this whole table worth of stuff into this container? And I'm sure you've seen that, right. Where you put mm -hmm. your big rocks in first in, and, and it looks like if you just put the random stuff in, like if you throw all the sand in first, you'll never get the rocks in. It was 
it was really interesting. And the only reason I say that is that really stuck with me when I saw that done live. And then ever since then, I'm always teaching, you know, you got to, what's your big rocks? And I teach people that a lot too. Your buckets are kind of your big rocks. What are your big rocks? Let's start with those. Quit so focusing on all this other little stuff that you get so down in the weeds. What's the big objective? What are your big rocks? We can create the small um, things to do around those big rocks, but you can't create all your things to do without having a purpose of what they're for. Mm-hmm. And this all pulls together with consistency. It's like just constant showing up. Even sh- would you say it's even showing up to learn? Because one of the things that you're talking like with, you're talking about the impact that it made on you. I'm talking about the impact that it made on me. And I think that consistency in learning is such a big factor as well. If you don't know what you can learn it, look for another way and then get consistent with applying it. I think there's that piece of it. Absolutely. But I think there's also a huge detriment to people. And I hear it all the time. Oh, I know that. Um, Oh, yeah. And, And you have to always be in the mindset of a student. If you want to be a successful entrepreneur, I don't care how many years you've been in, how old you are, how successful you've been. It's you, when you quit learning, you quit growing and you're going to, and then, and people think you can just become stagnant. You don't, you're either moving forward or you are going backward because you really can't tread water for very long. And that's what people don't fully understand. And so I have, that is the one thing I'll say I pride myself in is remaining a student and encouraging leaders to do the same. You need to always be learning There's always um, something to learn. And even if it isn't exactly, I can read a book and that book might be on a subject that isn't even fully, or I'm not going to do it hundred percent, but there's one idea in there, or I'll listen to a podcast and there's one idea. And then I'm able to take that one tiny little idea, apply it to my own business, tweak it out a little bit and bam, I'm off in a completely, you know, new thing that I'm doing. And it's, I just think we should always be learning. You should always say, wow, you know, what can I learn from this? What can I do from this? How can I learn to do this a little bit better? Mm -hmm. Uh, But not waste time because there's also people that spend so much time. I just need to listen to one more course before they jump in and do it. And you do have to, I like the learn as you go, do it. That didn't work. Try a new way, learn some more follow other successful people, you know, find people that have gone this path before me, find out what they did. Um, That's also part of learning is being smart enough to find other successful people and either mentor with them or emulate them. You know what I mean? Sometimes people think, how do you find a mentor? Well, you might not get this person to actually mentor you, but through reading their books and their pot, listening to their podcasts and being connected with them or in their tribe, it's like you are getting mentored if you follow the steps of what you're learning. Well, I think you just demonstrated consistency with learning. I think you just showed us what to do there. Well, thanks. (laughs) I do because it's like, take, take the information, apply it, take the information, apply it. Did it work? Did it not? But the key is to be consistent. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And it should be exciting. Learning should be exciting. Um, and, you know, I've been, I've been really good about it and I've been really lazy about it, but I would say that I've never, ever, ever said, yeah, I don't need to learn anything else in that. Like ever, not even in direct sales. Like I'm still learning the new things that people are doing with new platforms and the way that they're working their business. And, you know, I will hear something and go, wow. And that's the biggest mistake that top leaders make too, is they ignore, they might have a brand spanking new person come on their team that might have a level of expertise, especially in this online marketing arena or social media. And we dismiss them that they, they haven't really been a player yet, or they haven't really shown themselves to have a lot of sales. So they just kind of ignore them. And you can learn from the brand spanking new person that walks into your team. Like if you're open to it and that could change the whole trajectory of your entire team, if you were open to learning. So I get sometimes annoyed with some of the top leaders that 
that uh, kind of think they know everything and aren't willing to like say, wow, who's who could bring some value? Where could I learn from? And they think they can only learn from somebody bigger. And it's like, no, every everybody to the, in today's world, there's so many people that bring nuggets of wisdom to you in a variety of different areas. And we just have to be open to see how does that apply? How does that apply to me? How could I make that apply? Wow. Oh, that's so true. You know, you remind me of, I had an opportunity to be um, at Jack Canfield's mastermind and it was just, it's made such an impression upon me because we did our first segment of training. We were in his home and on the coffee break, he came over and sat on the couch and started asking me and the woman beside me a whole bunch of questions. And it didn't take long for me to realize that he was actually like interested in learning about us, you know, why we were there. It was just fascinating to me because he's such a successful person that he could really, I mean, you would assume that he kind of knows way more than you do. And yet he was interested to learn from us. Absolutely. I mean, that's what I love. I love just sitting down and listening to people's story and then finding out like, what, it, what, what was your journey before you got here? And, and how are you making this happen? And and having those conversations, you're like, okay, wow, that just snapped me. That's something I could apply. Or uh-huh. that gives me just a little bit more learning. If I, you know, Jack Canfield gets in a position of talking to somebody exactly in what you were talking to, that makes him a little bit more credible in that situation with that little bit of knowledge. And, you know, that's what I always want to be is credible. I want to have credibility with the listeners that I have. And, and oftentimes to have that credibility, especially in this very fast paced changing landscape. And even in this last year, man, I had to, I had to get on top of my game in a fast hurry. Um, when COVID first happened, I had had a social media trainer and then I, we had parted ways just a few months before that, or a few weeks actually. And so I, I wasn't really responsible for a lot of the social media training. I taught everything else, you know, in the realm of direct selling. And I was like, I, I can't afford to wait. Like I, I, I always said before, I don't need to waste all my time learning all that. Let somebody else teach that. And I was like, no way that you were just being, an, it was just an excuse. <laughs> so, I mean, I got on the phone and interviewed 30 top leaders. What are you doing? How are you getting your people? How are you going to get this to the masses? How are you going to teach everybody to do it at one time? We all just had these big discussions on what were going to be best practices. How could we get people to pivot quickly? Uh, and I contributed to their story as well as they contributed to mine. I took like a whole entire notebook of notes from those interviews. And then we pulled people together as an advisory team. A lot of those are in my group. And, and so we really said, okay, let's do interviews and put on here so that other leaders can learn quickly. Like everybody had to get up to speed fast on how to get move their people from doing things in home to doing things online. And that I learned more in four weeks doing that than I had in the last two years. And, and then I taught that for the rest of the year. And so I did become credible in that where people, I didn't think, I think they didn't look at me as a credible uh, expert in that area before. Oh, that's fascinating. You, you really have shared so much with us today. The fourth pillar of organization, anything additional you want to add about being organized? Oh my gosh, so much. So I always save this one for last because people, if I put it first, they would completely tune me out and not listen. I've learned learned that over the years. So I save it for last, but I really think it starts, it starts there. And I know people don't want to hear that, but it's like, I'll just say this statement and I think it just should stand alone, but your lack of organization costs you more time than any other single thing. And I know that 
And that's everywhere in your life. Think about if you're going to go in and you're going to cook something or you're going to make something and you can't find that one kitchen tool you're looking for and you spend 15, 20 minutes pulling that out or looking for it or you can't find that recipe because you don't remember where you stuck it and you're going through all your recipe books trying to pull out grandma's blah, 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 meatloaf recipe, right? And so it's not catalog, it's not alphabetized, it's not organized. So you can't walk right to it in 30 seconds and start jumping into your meal. You go to pack, like, or you go to get dressed, or you're going to go out for the evening and your closet isn't organized. It takes you, it literally takes me, I can pack for almost any trip in about five minutes. I packed for two weeks to Europe in 15 minutes. I mean, because I know exactly where my stuff is. I'm, you know, and I have to start over. Like right now, my closet is a little bit out of control, but not fully because like two years ago, I did the whole Marie Kondo thing. I pulled everything out of every drawer and everything and pulled it into the middle of my bedroom floor <laughs> and then um, reorganized all of it. So like I can find my black skirt. I know where it is and I'm not having to my closet isn't so jammed. I get rid of stuff that I don't wear so I can easily find it. But like, I'm, I'm talking about life things right now, but like mail is the same way. People get so overwhelmed with mail, like have a place when it comes in that you only touch it once. Is it a bill? It goes in this basket. If it's junk mail, it goes in recycle. Like make this easy for you. We, when the mail comes into our house, I'm kind of almost obsessive about it. I go through the mail and I, I just, and then um, it is either going into recycle, it's going into my bill pile, it's going, I've got a tiny little personal pile, if it's an RSVP for a graduation or something, it goes right by my fridge, I used to stick them on the fridge, but now I just have this little space right by my fridge, and it sits there, and I go through that periodically to remind myself, like, okay, what's coming up, and, and then my mail's done, like, I, I don't have a pile that starts to grow, and then I'm feeling overwhelmed with, and your office is the same way, like if you're doing leads, for example, you should have a place for your leads. Don't like, oh, I need to find that number. Where is that lady's number? Well, yeah, you can't make lead calls in 15 minutes if you have to go through piles on your desk and look through post-it notes that you've got stuck everywhere. Uh, I used to be really bad. I used to get orders when we first started and I would just be like on my phone downstairs or I'd be here or be there. And I would pull out the TV guide. I can't tell you how many orders I took from people on Franklin Mint doll orders. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's <just laughs> so stupid. But then I started going, this is stupid. So I need to make this easy for myself. If I'm on the phone, if I'm in my kitchen, I don't want to go back up to my office, put a little stack of order forms right next to my phone down there. So I can actually put that there that I can come upstairs because I would forget about it. And the next thing you know, I find this like card that you'd fill out for an order somewhere in your TV guide. And it's got somebody's complete order on it. Like the more, <laughs> the more disorganized we are, it costs us so much time in our business. We have to backtrack in our business. So organization is just, it's the biggest sucker of time. And if people would equate that to that and get over this, I'm just not an organized person. And I'll be the first one to say this. I used to say, I'm just not an organized person and, and, and be like that that was an okay thing. And then I switched it because I would tell myself that every day. That was my language. That was my self-talk. Then I started to say, I struggle with organization, Like I'm, I'm, but I'm getting there. I'm working on it. I do struggle with it, but I'm getting there. And then I finally quit saying that. Now, if you came into my office, would you say that I'm completely 100% organized? Um, no. But it's like, it's pretty close to 80, like, and on any given day, at least everything, I would say it hits 100% of everything has a place to live. Do I always put it there every time? No. But do I catch up with myself at the end of like, even sometimes two days? I'm like, I, I need to get ahead of this and put back everything where it's supposed to live. The biggest thing for people is they don't have a place for things to live in the first place. And so that's the piece of organization that comes first. You might not be super consistent at it at first, but at least have a place for it to live. And then pretty soon you create better habit patterns. And then pretty soon you really are pretty organized. And I don't say anymore, I'm not an organized person. Um, do I have to continue to stay that way? Could I get out of control pretty quick? Mm -hmm. Yeah, but overall, like I am pretty organized. <laughs> <laughs> mm. And there you are again, celebrating your wins. Great. 
yeah, you know, I, it's not perfect. And that's the thing is, um, give up being perfect. Like people just need to give up being perfect. Um, as long as you're continuing to strive to do better, as long as you're striving to be consistent, as long as you're continuing to be focused and be committed, nowhere in there is one of those pillars to be perfect. And people let that issue with perfectionism pull them away from all four of those pillars. Oh, I love it. Agree so much. And I definitely see how they all work together. They do, actually. They, these work so in sync with each other. It's crazy. And it applies to all aspects of your life. So whether it be in your you know, personal, professional, um, I love everything that you've shared today. Is there anything that you wanted to add in addition for the audience? No, I think that that's it. Um, the one thing I'd love for people to check out is um, we have an awesome planner. It's really for salespeople, but direct salespeople use it. I have realtors that use it, insurance people, other people that are in sales. But this year, I had an entrepreneur that fell in love with it. She said it was absolutely the best design planner she had ever seen. So then we had this whole group of just entrepreneurs and they're like, I can take what little things you've got in there, headers and, and change that up. But it's an awesome planner. It's, um, you know, it's just March. It is a dated planner, but it is uh, really built on those four pillars. And it's really great for salespeople. It's really great for entrepreneurs. Uh, and it's just loaded with all the things we've talked about. Oh, that's great. And I'll make sure I put that link in the show notes as well. Now I have three closing questions because this is a leadership podcast. I would love to know what leadership means to you. Leadership means to me, first and foremost, is leading by example. I can't talk to people about doing something that I'm not willing to do myself and then I'm not willing to show them how. And so for me, first and foremost, it's always been leading by example. And it's kind of that show and tell, like you said, anyway, people learn more by watching your example. The second thing it means to me is inspiring others, is giving them guidance or instruction or encouragement or just inspiring them to be sort of the best version of themselves. And then the third piece to that is really letting people know that you believe in them and that they can do it. And I think that there's so many people that are probably on the edge of probably really doing something, but no one ever shares that with them. And people rise to the occasion. You know, when I worked with a lot of leaders in the field of direct selling, which I have over the years, they always say, I'm waiting to see who my next leader might be and or who's going to rise up. And I'm like, no, treat every single one of them like they're going to be your next leader because people don't truly begin to believe in themselves until they know someone else believes in them. So a good leader lets them know that they believe in them and that they see them as their next leader. And you are going to have a group of people that will rise to the occasion to be a leader. And um, that is probably the biggest things that I see as a leader. Like I mm. think that we, we inspire, we believe in people, we guide them, um, we encourage them. I'm a trainer by nature. So it's in my nature to fix it for you and tell you how to do it. And I, I have had to work really, really hard I mean, I've even got, I've had, a, I don't have it on there now because I feel like I've grown enough. I took it down, but I had to be an encourager on my wall or I had up, who have you encouraged today? Because it's in my natural instinct to get on the phone and coaching and say, okay, here's what you need to do. I mean, because I just want to do, I want to do it for you. I want to fix it for you. I want to tell you what you need to do. Um, but really I need to just encourage them in what to do and, and tell them I believe in them and that they can do this and then give them a few steps. Here's just a couple steps on things you can start doing today. Um, that's a sign of a leader because people are going to be more receptive to that. And, and, and it's something that's the hat that I have to put on a lot, um, but I've never been afraid to lead by example. And I think that 
when people see that, they see your authenticity, they see that it's real, it makes it more believable for them. Um, but anyway, that's for me. That's what being a leader is. <laughs> Mm, love it. Love it. Great. And I like the explanation with it as well. Now, if there was a book that you wanted to recommend that it was a real game changer for you in your own journey, what book would you recommend? And I realize that's a tough question, but just one. <laughs> I was like, seriously? Um, <laughs> so I guess the one that probably had the most impact for me was what got you here won't get you there. And I loved that book and I've seen other people quote that book. And I think it just got me unstuck from feeling like I had gotten where I was going to be. Like, how do you even get to that next step? So it really helped me have a different perspective on getting to a new level or taking my business to a new level. Mm, good. And who was that by? Do you happen to know? You were going to ask me that and it is escaping me at the moment. Um, but it is what got you here won't get you there. And I've actually seen him speak in person and he was outstanding. I'll, I'll look it up. I'll put it in the show notes. That's all good. All right. And the final, final question based on all of the highs and all of the lows and everything that you've been through in your life, if you could only leave the world with one piece of advice, what would you leave them with? Oh, is just be the best version of yourself. Don't try to be like somebody else. Mm, I love it. Thanks so much for being here today, Belinda. It has been an absolute privilege to talk with you and to share your wisdom and experience with the audience. Thanks again for taking the time. Well, thank you so much, Corliss. It's been my pleasure. If you enjoyed this episode and it brought you value, make sure and share it with a friend or screenshot it and post it to your Instagram story or Facebook, tagging me at Corliss Co. I know the most precious of all commodities is your time, and I want to thank you all very much for spending this time with me today. Remember, you have the power to lead. Know your worth, embrace your value, see you have purpose, and be the leader you are meant to be.